0: Listening to Messy Jesus Business, a podcast about radical gospel living. Hey everyone, I'm Sister Julia Walsh, a writer, spiritual director, and jail minister living in Chicago. Welcome to The Mess. I've been blogging at MessyJesusBusiness.com since 2010. Messy Jesus Business, the blog, and now the podcast, explores how the mess of radical gospel living brings disciples into a life of struggle as we advocate for social justice, live simply, serve others, practice contemplation, and live in community. Now on to our guest. Sister Chioma Ahanihu is a member of the Sisters of the Living Word and lives in Chicago. She ministers as a social worker at Catholic Charities and is a student at the Catholic Theological Union. Sister Chioma has worked with the homeless, veterans, and the marginalized in cities throughout the United States and in Nigeria, her country of birth. In this episode of Messy Jesus Business, Sister Chioma and I talk about what it means to be a sister, and to minister as a sister. We discuss the healthiness of being authentic and embodying our identities. We talk about how the Black Lives Matter movement after George Floyd's death challenges us to listen to the voices of others. And from the depths of this mess, we consider white supremacy, how it teaches white people to be helpers instead of companions and what it means to be a white ally instead. We also contemplate the importance of acknowledging that we're imperfect humans while we follow Christ. Enjoy. Hi, Sister Chioma, welcome to Messy Jesus Business. Hello. I'm really excited to have you on the show because I've known you for several years through Giving Voice, but I realize I've never sat down with you and asked you to tell me your story. So this will be really fun to hear how you ended up becoming Sister Chioma, a sister of the living word here in Chicago, a social worker, a theology student, and uh, a woman who's Nigerian. You're one of the African immigrant sisters in the United States. I know there's many, many sisters from African countries who have joined congregations in the United States, but the sisters of the living word are local to only Chicago,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah. So how did you end up becoming who you are today? (laughs) A long story. I've been in the U.S. now for about almost two decades. I would say I came in here 2002 and before I I, I arrived the U.S. I've been a sister um, for about two years in another congregation. Started studying here, then did my undergrad in Misericordia University in Dallas, Pennsylvania. And then it was at that point that I started transitioning started discerning. Eventually, one thing led to another, I would say, I transitioned out of that congregation. And by the time I completed my graduate studies, I now went for my graduate studies in uh, in D.C. uh, with Catholic uh, Catholic University in Washington, D.C., And then I started, you know, it's like that still little voice was still there, you know, Mm. and I started looking, searching for, seeking for another home. Eventually, I got in contact with the Sisters of the Living Word. Um, I visited different other congregations, and this this congregation looked like the right fit for me. Uh, And then I did the relocation from D.C. to Chicago. And it's been a wonderful experience for me, I would say. Um, of course, uh, most of my family are in Nigeria, so I go home to visit them uh, as often as I can. Um, yeah, so that's the, that's the short version of a 20-year escapade. Yeah, that's yeah, a-
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and you minister now as a social worker here in Chicago?
1: Yes, so I minister as a social worker in Chicago uh, uh, with Catholic Charities. I've been with Catholic Charities for a little over six years, I would say, mm-hmm. being in different capacities and different departments. Um, at this point, I I work as a parish uh, social worker in uh, Glenview, a lady of perpetual help in Glenview. Uh, Of course, I'm working remotely now because of COVID. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I know you've worked with all sorts of marginalized populations, such as people who are homeless and veterans. I think
1: I started my work experience in the U.S. um, in in Dallas, Pennsylvania, actually, when I was in in my internship year. Uh, I think that was my third year. I did internship in Wicksburg. And I started working with uh, an organization where I was doing assessments, you know, case management assessments, and that opened the door for me to begin to like what I, you know, what I, I was doing. And by the time I now relocated to Washington, DC for my graduate studies, I continued, you know, working with different organizations. Most of, most of them were nonprofit organizations. Um, In different levels, I've worked with the homeless population, Um, most of these individuals uh, struggle with dual diagnosis, have dual diagnosis of mental health and maybe substance use, um, uh, which sometimes will be what led them to homelessness and all that. Um, Yeah, so uh, transitioning to Chicago also, uh, I continued on that path. Uh, then I started working with Catholic Charities. I worked with veterans who are homeless, you know, assisting them with their mental health needs and uh, um, housing, uh, and also got, got into psychotherapy here and actually did a little bit of independent psychotherapy in DC too, and then moved over to Chicago, continued that with Catholic Charities.
0: So in many ways you've been on the front lines of of serving God's people. Oh, well,
1: yes. I think I'll say that. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. In a service of great joy and experience, you know, I learn every day from, from my clients, from the people, I, my co workers, and all that have never failed. I will say, I've always learned from each encounter I have with my clients. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that you, you learn from them that you think the rest of us
1: ought to know? I tell myself, you know, um, anybody can be a social worker so what makes you different now i can say that but initially i didn't really um i know in dc let me give you one instance in dc one one client one day came to me you know and said there's something different about you You know of course being a sister yeah i don't wear habits so nobody knows that you're a sister i always wear my emblem, you know, so nobody knows your sister. I work with regular people and all that, and everybody calls me Choma, you know. It's actually now that they started calling me Sister Chama in Catholic Charities. Oh, sure. Um, so one one day this client came to me, and he, he kept saying, there's something different about you. And I'm like, so what do you, what is it, what do you mean, and all that. He's like, the way you just sit down, you know, you listen to me, and even the suggestions you give to me, I mean, I'm struggling with drug use. I'm struggling with some mental health issues and all that. Um, you've not had that experience. I don't think you have because based on what you're looking at you, I don't think you have. But the, the things you say to me is different. It makes me really feel like I am accepted. You know, you don't judge me. You you accept me like I am and treat me and want to help me more. You know, that, that stayed with me for quite some time. Uh-huh. Uh, That's why I, 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 at this time, when I say to myself, you know, anybody can be a social worker. So what difference do I bring? Mm -hmm. It's what comes to me every time. How do I now bring my spiritual part of me, you know, my religious identity into my ministry, into what I do, into the people I see every day? You know, that is what I strive to do. I I don't want to say that I, every time I I get it right, no, but... Mm -hmm that's my aim that's actually what what uh, propels me every time
0: mm, mm. you know as you say that it actually brings me back to my own training as a spiritual director mm. and how i was learning you know to just really be present to people and open to wherever whatever they needed to share in the conversation and an image came to mind for me of genuflecting. It's basically a, a way of showing reverence, of bowing, of, of sort of showing this great respect for the person who's in front of you, who is holy, who is a child of God. And, and that's really what I hear coming through in your example. Is It sounds like you do your ministry in, in a state of prayer by the way you're with people.
1: Yes, yes. I strive to do that. I mean, I work uh, with Catholic Charities. So, um, you know, sometimes I get the perception, people people think that working in Catholic Charities, you have to be a Catholic, one, to be a staff there. No, or that you have to be a Catholic, uh, Catholic to receive services. No, also. Um, so, but uh, being a Catholic and being a sister, you know, I feel it makes a difference what, uh, trying to, my best to you know represent uh, who I say I am um I, I don't struggle to do that honestly i don't it just comes uh, and i e- even if people don't know i'm a sister you know uh and they don't need to know mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't need to know that I'm a sister but that i am able to convey christ i'm able to to be present to them to sit and listen you mm. know give my suggestion or, or think through with people um, based on what their issues are. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah. You know, I'm interested. and curious as you say all this, what does it mean to be a Catholic sister to you?
1: Being a Catholic sister for me now means a lot more than when I was younger, I would say. Everything for me was you know, um, re- how to relate to God and make make it to heaven and all that. I still think of that, you know, getting to heaven. That's my aim also. But at this time, it's broader for me now. Uh, I mean, I can't get to, I don't want to get to heaven alone. I have my other brothers and sisters, you know, that I need to work with in this world, that I need to mingle with. So being a sister for me is First of all, you know, being present to people, uh, being the Christ that they see, you know, um, uh, relating to people in their own, giving their own circumstances and being just there for them. This aspect of me also of being an African sister here, I think that also is the difference, you know, because I, I am more aware now of my Africanness than I was before. I am aware that I want to also portray my culture, you know, portray my heritage um, in a way that it makes sense to people and that people can understand my where I am coming from. Because sometimes, even speaking English, I speak English in Igbo. You know, I kind of translate it and speak it that way. So that is my makeup. That is me. So I am aware, like living in, in my congregation now with my sisters. There are two of us that are Black, you know, I am the only Nigerian. So I am like a learning instrument for my sisters. We see and then we talk about how, what Christmas celebration is, how it's done in Nigeria, you know, how we celebrate it, how different, you know, activities happen in comparison to here. I've lived here now for a long time. So to an extent I understand here, Uh, but me coming from a different perspective, a different context, will also need to teach, will also need to explain how it is in my own context, uh, cultural heritage. Yeah. So I think that's what makes the difference for me. I am a sister, but I'm not just a sister. I am coming from a different background, too.
0: I am really fascinated by your commentary about like how ultimately as being a Catholic sister, as Sister Chiom, like you're in Bodying yourself—it's you're being your authentic self. You're showing up as who you are. You're a Nigerian woman living in the United States. You're a Catholic woman. You're a Catholic sister, a sister of the Living Word. Like there's all these layers of identity that are constantly and at work in who you are. And, and how you show up to anyone and anything which makes a lot of sense that that's isn't that part of healthy psychological work is that we're all <laughs> conscious of all these <laughs> identities and you know working with them and not trying to be somebody we're not right yeah
1: you're right yeah you're mm-hmm. right I, embody a lot. I think I embody a lot of characteristics uh while I don't want to you know struggle to carry them but uh I think the attributes God have given me. So, so I carry them along. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things I hope for all of us as we're all, you know, following our vocations and living, living out the call that God has given each one of us uniquely as we're all just really discovering how we can more, uh, authentically be ourselves. Right.
1: I went home this holiday, this past holiday and, um, yeah, uh, when I go home, I wear my I wear a veil and you know wear something relating to that mm. uh, part of my native attire. So you know mingling with people while I didn't really uh, mingle a lot because of the uh, pandemic and all that. But you know associating with people, especially people that don't know me, they are interested. They want to know what congregation do you belong to, and then that generates conversation. We we get talking. I start explaining to them about my congregation, how they are here in the U.S. alone. You know, uh, they are not in Nigeria. Because the next question people ask you, once you tell them the uh, the name of your congregation, they ask you where are you located in Nigeria. And then I say they are not in Nigeria. So how did you meet them? So that continues the story, you know. Um, So I see myself propagating Mm. that way, you know, Mm -hmm. continue evangelizing you know, that way. Um, Yeah.
0: Mm, Yeah. Related to the, these layers of identity, it reminds me of a conversation we had several months ago in the summer during the the height of the Black Lives Matter movement. And you were sort of illuminating for me some of the things that I can't see because I am a white woman that like it or not, they, they will always be blind to me. And Mm. I remember it being a really hard conversation, but a, a very, a very meaningful conversation to me. Our listeners might be curious about being an immigrant to the United States, how that creates an ability for you to see things that, for myself, I am slowly awakening to.
1: Events of last year really awakened a lot in me. I would say, uh, the summer. Uh, Even in my very busy life, beauty schedule and all that, I did something I've never done in my life, which is to get up, carry a placard and go and protest, go and stand out there. You know, I did it with some of my giving voice friends too. And actually speak out. I've never done that before. But, you, you know, it's like there's a point in time in your life that if things will keep happening and happening and you feel that you want to learn your voice. You want to lend your voice to that situation and other. Whereas my voice, I think it's very minute, you know, the smallest and all that. And I'm not the type that talk a lot. I don't. I, I relate more one-on-one than I talk in, than talking to public. But I was in a situation where being a sister and there were about two or three of us, we were expected to talk. And I'm like, what am I going to say And all that, but I, you know, I spoke. When I listen to that video, I'm like, I'm almost surprised that I'm the one that's speaking, because like I said, I don't talk that much in the public. Um so so I, I say that to say that that uh, events of summer last year, you know, are working some realities in me oh. that I need to begin to really think, um, process, pray about and leave out, you know, um, the Black Lives Matter issue that, you know, um, protests that happened after the George Floyd and other killings that have happened, the, you know, the current white supremacists that just things that are going, things that happened last week in DC, you know, mm-hmm. that really put that out there. Uh, while I, I I am not going to, you know, carry a placard or just run out in the street and be that angry black woman, uh, I still feel that I need to pitch in my own voice, no matter how little it is. I have been in conversation with the sisters I live with in the house, where I really feel treated differently Mm -hmm. in a negative way. Mm -hmm. And I I voice that that out to them. Mm -hmm. I've talked with my on that you know um sometimes uh, you know my excuse is it might not be intentional but some other times i've seen it you know whatever would do mm-hmm. it you mean
0: like microaggressions or like someone's patronizing or condescending or something like that Thank
1: you. condescending most often and that i point out a lot because i do not want to treat other people that way and i mm-hmm. wouldn't want to be treated that way right so i mean we we in our only two ways, try to, you know, connect with people in a Jesus, in this Jesus business, I call it, you know, being in this situation of being sisters. And we need to rise above that, but I see it happening sometimes that we don't rise above it. Of course, we're human beings, uh-huh. you know. So so in our only two ways, in my only two way, I try as much as I can to call that out when I experience it. Oh when I see it happening to another person you mm-hmm. know
0: mm-hmm.
1: it does it does show up in different ways it's an ugly head that raves out in some of my white friends sometimes yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I say it, you know I, I've lost one or two friendships because of that but you know yeah it's what it is uh, and while that is also the situation chances are that me or we as the Black people also can also twist that can be twisted that we also can be that micro uh, uh, you you know treat people micro aggressively you know Mm -hmm. so it's something that I have to watch myself while I try to be a victim I don't also want to victimize other people
0: Mm, yeah yeah you know I would say in recent years I've um Gained more consciousness about uh, this reality and uh, have have been unpacking some of my own history and my life story and have noticed that uh, for most of my childhood and you know formative years I heard a lot of things about well. I'm uh, a lot of people say, I'm not racist. I'm a nice person. <laughs> like I have friends who are people of color. I can't, I'm not racist. So, so I was hearing that message and probably taking it in unconsciously. And then at the same time was hearing things like you need to help those people or those people need some guidance or those people need, like, they just don't know how to do things properly, you know? And so therein come those patronizing and condescending sort of like the white way is better than other cultures oh my goodness and 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 those are the sort of things that like when i start to realize that i'm expecting people to be like me <laughs> yeah. like that's
1: when it's really inappropriate you know and that's when it's really awful yeah, you know, yeah. Instance, you know, some some people, some sisters will say, you know, I've all through my mission missionary life, or, uh, you know, I've worked in the Black neighborhood and all that. So I ask, do you, uh, how did you work in the Black neighborhood? Did you work as the Jesus, as the Messiah, going to save them, you know, and all right. that? Or did you really work being as a human being with them and all that? Mm-hmm. Because, um, I, I mean that that can be you know it can happen in two different ways where you know you 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 tend to you tend to see yourself as their savior as their savior there you know and then it comes out that oh i've always been i've always identified with the black people Mm -hmm. or the people or the minority people and all that whereas you go there as your savior uh if you see them as human beings like yourself and you know, the same blood, red blood runs in all of us. You're not going there as their savior, but you're going there as one of them providing the same service that you can provide in the white neighborhood. So, mm mm-hmm.
0: yeah. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and it makes me think, actually, of a couple of years I had an opportunity to go to a racism workshop led mm-hmm. by two sisters. One was a sister of color. Uh, she was an African-American sister and one was a white sister and they were in the same congregation and they did... A- Uh, these presentations to help sort of talk about um, how to be anti-racist and how to be a white ally and what wasn't being a white ally and and so on and um, they told this story about how one time they they were traveling together and they went to a hotel to check in and and the sister um, the African-American sister went to check in and at the desk and she was Mm -hmm. Horribly mistreated, like all these, like I who I need to see extra documentation. Da da da. I need to call my manager. It was like they didn't believe in the validity of her staying in a nice hotel or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the white sister did not um, swoop in to to uh, you know redeem the situation, to protect her, to you know mm-hmm. interject to save because that would have been uh, enforcing reinforcing that stereotype that white people know what's best or white people are better. And and she instead just sort yeah. of painfully stood back and watched the whole thing unfold without stepping in. And, yeah. um, and that, you know, was for me a great lesson. And it caused me to think about all the times in my life where I've probably, without even thinking about it, thought, oh, I have a responsibility here. I need to step forward. I need to take care of them. No, no I
1: don't. Those times, I call them missed opportunities. And that's one thing, I, honestly, I pray about every day. May I not miss an opportunity to uh, be present or to be Christ to another person. It could be in any circumstance. You know, just like you rightly said, you know, that sister could have coming in that mm-hmm. situation and saved the day there. Uh, So those are missed opportunities for me. It doesn't have to be any big thing. You know, it can be the minutest thing in this world, yeah.
0: What you're seeking is more chances to just show people your brilliance on your own.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I do not go about saying, you know what, I want to be the savior of the world or do it, you know, no, I don't. But it's just that I pray that when those opportunities come up, that I be sensitive enough that to to understand that I need to do something at this point, that I need to say something, that I need to act, you know, mm-hmm. contrary to what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I I don't really honestly I don't go seeking for them many of many of times, but it's just that I pray that you know that I'll be aware at yeah. this times to render that assistance.
0: It yeah. brings to mind how a lot of the spiritual work of, of just, you know, being a follower of Jesus is about noticing, paying attention, and having a constantly discerning spirit, isn't it? Of yeah. just like, Ooh, what is, what is the thing that God needs me to do in this moment? And for me, and and, and part of that is being conscious of uh, privilege and lack of privilege and power and all those dynamics that are, that are at play. So there's times where maybe a person who has more privilege or power, um, needs to close their mouth. <laughs> right? And just step aside. And there's mm-hmm. times where other people need to step forward and open their mouths. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just sort of
1: working this all out too. <laughs> <You're just after. laughs> yeah, but but you're right, you know, uh I I think it's to be conscious or sensitive to know how to react or to know what to do or to see Uh, i'm taking a class now it's uh, called spiritual companion Companion. and you know uh, one thing i'm learning in the class is you know to to know what when just to sit and listen when to respond when to not even respond you know uh, that's part of companioning uh, uh, personal individual um yeah it's just to know what to the right thing to do and uh, it, you don't have to get it right every time also I tell mm. myself that I am not God uh, I am not 100 perfect and I don't have to get it right and I hope people forgive me when I don't get it right you know and uh, that I'm able to ask uh, say that I'm sorry you know uh, mm. learn from the situation yeah.
0: yeah I hear I hear there are a lot of things uh A message about humility and the value of having humility in this life of being a christian and as a minister
1: i think it's something that is required really uh, in our lives Um, uh, being humble to accept who we are uh, sometimes it's not easy to do that you know but if it's something that one can you know ask for and you know get that grace i think it's a good thing to to have or to to be aware of and to practice more.
0: So how does a
1: life of prayer support you in in that work? The life of prayer for me, and as I get older now, it's actually everything, I would say. Uh, one one of the sisters, for instance, one of the sisters I live with, she always says, you know, I live and then I talk and then I pray and it's like everything she does at the end of the day is prayer, prayer, prayer. And I'm beginning to see that also as, getting ready to start work could be also an opportunity for me to pray and all that um praying also communally and joining in prayers uh it's also very important for me um i really devote time every day to to be quiet to myself um and it it, it most often it's in the morning but it doesn't have to be in the morning. it could be in the middle of the day it could be in the evening but I, I try to do that every day because it helps me kind of to focus and to center on how my day it's, go, uh, it's going to be or how, how, how my day has been, mm. or how my day was. Mm.
0: Yeah,
1: um, yeah. So, so prayer is something that I found very, very vital now. And it's not uh, at this point in time of my life, uh, I don't just base uh, on one type of prayer, I would say because prayer could be, you know, uh, doing my rosary beads. It could be sitting and meditating. It could be taking a walk, taking a walk and just, you know, enjoying nature and having a moment with God, having a moment with myself based on what's happening. It could be the communal prayer also uh, that I I, I am part of and all that. It could be also as it is now on Zoom or virtually, you know, we -hmm. do that now um, even at the mass most often it's virtual now so we do that too so prayer I have seen it as a very vital point of uh, vital need for my life
0: mm-hmm. as you say that it actually uh, makes me think of how it's sort of like you're doing a little self-assessment every time you pray you're pausing to kind of check in like how is it going? What what do I need to be paying attention to? What what's happened that I need to to reflect back on?
1: Yeah, yeah, you know that's actually true. Especially like I, I at this beginning of the year, you know that um, things are starting up again after being out uh, on holiday. Uh, school is school has just started. Work resumed. You know living community life that's constant um so it's like this is a time to kind of try to find a balance so um having those moments of prayer helps me to balance it out the classes and everything is online now um my work is online school is online so how do i create that balance you know Um, am i giving attention to one class more than i'm giving to another class and order what are the demands and order? so it helps me you know to to assess how things are going and and where do i need to put some some more energy more mm. um, and uh, to be honest i don't think i i don't want to say that i'm perfect in it and all that but i find it very very helpful to me if i can do that it helps me it helps the day go smooth for me
0: mm. so chioma when you think about all these, these elements, what is discipleship?
1: Discipleship, I would say for me, it's following. And, uh, what, what is that really, uh, who am I following or what am I following? Um, I read from the scriptures, uh, I listen to mass or pray and I pray and all that, um, I get my, you know, enrichment as a disciple of Christ, you know, from there, um, while it's a daily struggle i i I, I kind of compare that also as in a family you know um i come uh, from a family of seven seven siblings and um we all i would say to an extent we all can be very assertive in our own ways but while we do that my parents my mom now my dad is late uh, I see us as the other side, you know, we, we are following what they what they have taught us, you know, the trend my dad left for us, uh, how he trained us, how he taught us, and even my mom died alive. So we're following that. I, I see that also the same pattern uh, uh, as I enrich myself every day in God's word, um, I follow that, I try to emulate that, and I think that's a, 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 one way I would say is discipleship for me.
0: Tell me what, and what is messy about all this for you?
1: (laughs) The messiness part of it, you know, when I, when I, uh, I read about your name first, uh, I mean, the messy Jesus business, I'm like, this is really nice. You know, I, I have always had the Jesus business, you know, (laughs) for me, yes, uh, the Jesus business, which is, the Christianity, which is uh, religious life and all that. But the messiness of it, I think it is the intriguing part that nothing is perfect. While we strive to be perfect, nothing is perfect. And and it's actually acknowledging that we are humans, Mm -hmm. you know, we are humans that that, that we have our own flaws. Um, And still, you know, God still, we're still following Christ and God still loves us even in our own messiness even in our own flaws i think that's the messiness part of it that's that's what i would consider messy that i am we're not perfect and i'm not perfect and you know um i can't say i have all the words but that i have a part to play in it either good or bad when it's bad we we try to make it right you know but it's all messy i mean look at our catholic church you in the catholic church you You get the good, the bad, and the ugly. You get everything in the Catholic Church. I think that's the same thing. (laughs) Everything is so messy. And that's why we we ask for God's grace every time to help us, you know, to to get through events of our lives or events of what's this Jesus business. I, I don't know if anybody have responded that way before, but that's what I see as the messiness of the whole thing, you know, that, you know, in, in God's kingdom, you get the good, the bad, the ugly, the everything, it's all in it. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Sister Chioma. Thank you for coming on Messy Jesus Business and joining me in the mess <laughs> where we don't have to be perfect. I've become part of
1: the mess now, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and, and yeah. I think. Brings me back to uh, what you were saying earlier about how we all just have to um, understand. There's times where we're gonna mess it up, and we say we're sorry, and then we and then we move on. You know, like that's that's
1: part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Thank you really for this invitation.
0: you to join me in this contemplative moment this is a prayer entitled wake me up lord and it's from a prayer service for racial healing wake me up lord so that the evil of racism finds no home within me keep watch over my heart lord and remove from me any barriers to your grace that may oppress and offend my brothers and sisters Fill my spirit, Lord, so that I may give services of justice and peace. Clear my mind, Lord, and use it for your glory. And finally, remind us, Lord, that you said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Amen. That's another episode of Messy Jesus Business. Thanks for listening. Messy Jesus Business is produced, hosted, and edited by me, Sister Julia Walsh, with assistance from Cherish Bidzinski. You can find us online at MessyJesusBusiness.com and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you like what you heard, could you please do a few things? Share with your friends, subscribe wherever you find your podcasts, and leave us a review. Plus, I'd love it if you could support us on Patreon. Thanks! Messy Jesus Business is produced in partnership with the Franciscan Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. You can learn more about our religious community and donate to our mission at www.fspa.org. Thanks. I'm Sister Julia Walsh, and I'll catch up with you next time. Until then, peace and all good.